You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years of this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruvain Joshua Pupko from Cote St. Luke slash Montreal, Canada, North America. Hello, I'm Avram Kivilevich, and we sit here, Rabbi Pupko and myself, contemplating, hopefully, uh, positive things. We've got Rishchidosh Oder coming up uh, in front of us, hopefully a Zaman of Simcha and Geula. But as this program is more about your take on what's happening in the world and issues in, in the rabbinate and in the Jewish community and beyond. Let's first skirt the subjects that most people are probably on most people's minds today uh, without spending too much time on it. Cause we sort of, before we started recording, we sort of dismissed it. I know that people are devoting time, right. To uh, sort of getting a synopsis and watching um, the spectacle in Washington, the, uh, uh, the impeachment trial. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, uh, do you think that, uh, again, Jews should just, we should just, you know, put our heads down and be quiet here about this and just let it go on. Um, um, maybe, you know, cover our heads whenever we are, we're making a brook, wherever we're silently making a brook and drinking some water, but basically just, you know, we should perhaps not pay too much attention to this. What do you think? Again, we don't want this to be the I whole subject today. I don't, this is a very complicated moment in American history because, uh, on the one hand, um, the argument to impeach Trump uh, is that unless we, as a government, as a society, uh, punish this kind of behavior, um, it sends a terrible message to the future. Uh, some have even gone further to make, I think, it's not as as realistic an argument, which is, you know, if you don't punish people for what they do between an election and an inauguration, that leaves a, a you know a wide uh, opportunity for a future um, mischievous uh, president to do stuff. So we have to make send a message. Well, sending a message, send a message. The question is, who does impeachment benefit at this point politically? I'm not talking about ethics. Ethically, you know, you can make the argument he deserves uh, punishment. But politically, who benefits? There's no question that it's to the benefit of the Democratic Party to get Republican senators on record voting to acquit. Uh, they they want to hang that as an albatross around the neck of their opponents in, in future elections. So it, it's a clear benefit for the Democrats uh, to uh, to continue to push the idea that the Republican, the Republican Party is synonymous with Donald Trump. Um, it is to the benefit of the Republican Party to begin to separate uh, from Donald Trump. However, that's on a collective uh, level. On an individual level, why wouldn't Republicans vote to convict even those who believe what he did was, in fact, an impeachable uh, uh, offense? And the reason they wouldn't is because they're scared to death of Trump triggering uh, Republic, uh, primary opponents to them uh, in, in the primaries uh, for Congress or, or the Senate, to tr- that they would tr- he would trigger a what, what, what the media would call a more right-wing candidate to run against the, the you know like a Lynn Cheney or someone. 
you know, that's what's keeping a lot of Republicans on, in Trump's camp is the fear, is the fear of being challenged in the primary. So can I, can I just interrupt you for a second uh, yeah. in your cogent um, political analysis? It's both of the points you just made, and I was listening today, not just petting the dog, uh, Rabbi, because you're saying that the, the Democrats really, it's not so much we need the impeachment, but rather we want to find targets and, and, and blame. And the Republicans, uh, <laughs> right, are basically, even if they vote to acquit, it's also not because they really feel that he should be acquitted because they're afraid of the political fallout. Nobody is really L'Shem Shemayim. Oh, no. And, I, no. no I, 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 on the Republican side, there's very few that are L'Shem Shemayim. The five Republicans, I think it was, that voted yesterday, you know, that it's constitutional to proceed this way, even though he's a past president, not a sitting president. The 10 members of Congress who voted you know, uh, from the Republican Party to impeach. Those people are, you know, are, are the same mind. And I believe there are some Democrats who are certainly tangible, but I, I, was, I, I tried to be clear. I'm thinking on a political level, not an ethical level. I believe there are Democrats who firmly believe ethically that the behavior of Trump needs to be punished to, you know, everyone needs to hear. But, but, but isn't it our, but one second, we, he's already, we know he's going to go to hell in a handbasket. We know that uh, he's going to go down in infamy. The, it does, he's already gotten his punishment. I mean, really, in a way. I mean, right? Um, he, he's he's vilified. Uh, he lost ignominiously. I don't know if that's the way to say it, but yes. his his attitude. I mean, really, he brought down the the house of cards on himself, as we've talked about uh, totally. Come on, you really think he's going to, this will stop him from ever holding office? The guy's going to be 78 years old, whatever, at the next presidential election. There's no way in the world that that he could really manage uh, an election campaign or whatever it is uh, four years from now. You really think so? You would think, I mean, again, again, I believe the Democrats, or some of them are L'Shem Shemayim, but all of them realize that there are political benefits in forcing the Republicans one by one to state where they stand on this. And the Republicans are caught between doing what they know to be right, doing what they know will help the party, which is separate from Trump, or doing what will what may hurt them in the short term, which is triggering Trump's wrath, where he engineers a primary challenge to them. So that's, but here's, here's, if you look at the polling, the polling says that half of the people who voted for Trump are Republicans and half of them are, are Trump Republicans. Now, I don't believe that that those numbers will persist. I think as things unfold with the Biden administration, the people who say they're only, they're only Trump Republicans, they will certainly evolve into, most of them will evolve into being normal Republicans. Now, um, but again, I think Republican senators and congressmen, depending on their districts, depending on their states, will make a cold political calculation that do, if voting to acquit hurts me or not. That's all it is. And, and But again, some of them will rise above that and say, what's the right thing to do ethically or what's the right thing to do for the long-term health of the Republican Party? So people like the Lynn Cheney's in the world, right? Or the, you know, the or the, or, or, or some of the the senators who voted uh, to proceed with impeachment yesterday, um, you know, are 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 either 
in places where voting to acquit will hurt them more politically or because they know it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you know, I was talking to a psychologist this week and I was talking to uh, I've been going through a couple of shtiklach Torah uh, that somebody uh, had nothing to do with Trump, but it had to do with the sugi of Yeshviach with Baravera, the sugi of how much you blame the Mishaleach, uh, you know, David Amelech with Uriachiti and other things like that. Um, you know, and, and that, I think, is a fascinating uh, subject to talk about, which I don't want to get into in length here. But you haven't mentioned the question, is he really the Goyrim? If, you know, um, is he really the Goyrim of this attack, which was vicious? Although I will tell you, it seems strange to me that um, the way the 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 prosecution begins is by showing a movie. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, it's, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to show you this movie of what's going on. And now I'm going to, we all know the power of film. I mean, uh, the Nazis proved that about how you could use film to, to, to create the greatest passion and anger that it, it sounds so weird that right. we're going to go slow. You're on trial, but first I'm going to show you this movie that has been that that has been edited, and I've put the scenes together. I've juxtaposed uh, a policeman getting smashed in the face with Trump saying, "I love you." I, I mean, does that? Here's the point. Here, yeah, is everybody? No one here is telling the truth. What I mean by it is not the Democrats, not the Republicans. First of all, what we do know for sure, this I think anybody will agree to is that at 2 a.m. In, in the early mornings of, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the hours after the election, had Trump gotten up and said, I want you to congratulate Joe Biden on his victory. Uh, we give full support to the new administration. I'm disappointed that I lost, but the people have spoken. Okay, that's it. Had he said that, we all know there wouldn't have been a right. We all know that. Does that mean that in other words, so he denying the victory then. And remember, what all the press reports told us, all the insider leaks of Maggie Haberman in the Times and the Washington Post people kept saying is that the people around Trump believe they need to humor him for a while, and then he'll calm down. It'll pass, right? Uh, we were told that the certification of the electoral mid-December, you know, that will take care of it, whatever the latest, the latest, the latest. It'll only be a couple of weeks, everybody will calm down. But um, I don't know cause and effect here. I don't know if it was Sidney Powell and Giuliani instigating Trump or Trump instigating them. I don't know the dynamic, and no, no one knows the dynamic. But it doesn't really matter. The fact is, he got more and more emboldened as time passed rather than calming down and acceptance. Everyone thought it was going to be like the five stages of grief. And eventually, you know, <clears throat> he gets through anger and denial and end up in acceptance. But that didn't happen. I mean, Jared Kushner, uh, it was quoted many times in, in the media saying, leave him alone. He'll be fine. Don't worry. It'll be fine. That's what Jared, uh, Jared told Mitch McConnell. All right. It'll be all right. And the the charges got more and more uh, 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 emboldened and, and with confidence. And, and more than that, here's something else. Here. Everyone talks about what a threat he was to democracy. I don't believe that at all. Trump was not a threat to democracy. I always had much more faith. In, uh, in in the uh, uh, in the process, when people said, "Oh, he wants Amy Cody uh, Barrett confirmed so that she'll throw the election to him," anybody who read one paragraph 
about her knew that she would never do that. These are people of integrity. They do have, these are patriots with integrity. So whether they were election officials on the ground in Michigan or Georgia that were Republican, they didn't back Trump. Whether it was judges in Pennsylvania appointed by Trump, they didn't back Trump. Whether it was the Supreme Court people, they didn't back Trump. The American system worked. It was brilliant and it worked. And the guy is now in Mar-a-Lago. The system worked. Now, the Democrats also lie when they say there's no, there's no election fraud. Of course there's fraud in every election. I mean, their own commission 18 years ago, I think it was, or 16 years ago, uh, James Baker and somebody else's name, I forget the minute, did analysis. The New York Times did a whole article. Mail-in balling is more, everyone knows, mail-in balling is vulnerable. It is, but not to any extent. Any that, would have, that would have affected the outcome of the election. But, right. and, and the point is, it's also clear, if you know from the leaking inside, that Trump planned in other words, he every political guy knew what votes get counted first and what the votes get counted last. And everyone knew that a lot of states would show Trump in the lead, but that would be overwhelmed by the mail-in ballot. Now, if you want to blame anything, blame Pennsylvania rules that say you can't start counting the mail-in ballots till the polls close. Why? Why can't they count them? They should have counted them first. In other words, you create it's not enough to be right. You have to appear to be right. And everyone knew what was going to happen. That because you're not allowed to open those envelopes till after the polls closed, the polls would show Trump in the lead in the mail vote, which Trump told his people, you know, you know, discouraged people, the Democrats encouraged their people. And for whatever variety of reasons, the mail-in would be overwhelmingly uh, Biden. In other words, there are a lot of silly rules in place here. And the Pennsylvania uh, a court system did make some mistakes. They aren't allowed to change it. It's up to the legislative game. They, 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 there's no question mistakes remain in this election. But nowhere, there was no fraud. All those pictures on, on TikTok about boxes, every single one of them was explained. Every single one. And that bizarre lie, which is now triggered a $2.7 billion uh, libel suit against Giuliani and Powell and Fox News about the voting machines with Hugo Chavez. I mean, this stuff was like, craziness, complete craziness. But the system worked. The system did work. And the question the question is, though, does impeachment make Trump a martyr and embolden him? And certainly the inevitable acquittal, which now seems inevitable, well, certainly he'll be able to hold up the headline again, Trump acquitted, right? Some kind of vindication when it's the furthest thing from that. Because, again, the Republicans are going to be motivated by their own personal political survival and, and nothing else. And, and, and you're going to have, it, it, in other words, does this impeachment uh, help, ultimately help Trump? And, or does it hurt him? And, and the Democrats certainly want to think it hurts the Republican Party. So there's complicated forces at play here. Yeah, but, um, uh, yes, very complicated indeed and, and very murky. And as I started when I threw the ball to you in the beginning, we talked about how we as a Jewish community should be involved. Again, my nature is to say, look, let it just play out. I I did not know till you told me that uh, David Schoen was an Orthodox Jew. Um, but that's just an incidental fact. That doesn't mean we're that we've got to, you know, we accept whatever the Senate says, and let's move on. I, I really think we've got to stay on the outs on this, and it really, it, it really isn't 
again, I, I comment because I see the way um, the the histrionic tones, uh, the fact that the 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 issues are being uh, projected uh, through the use of film and 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 even dramatic first person. The right. guy who's from the I didn't see it. I just read That's it this morning. That's Jamie Raskin. Raskin yes. is a Jewish congressman. So, oh, he, so the, the the face of the <laughs> impeachment was a Jew, and the face of the defense was amazing. A Jew. And he was talking about how scared he was, and he just buried a child or something like right. that. Yes. He he had just lost his one of his just died. His son committed suicide. Yeah. It's Nebuch. It's a and, terrible tragedy. A wonderful family, it looks like. And and Raskin was the face of the prosecutor, right? Yes, and, yes. And, but, and Stone was the face of the defense. Yes. Incredible. And and but 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 Raskin bringing up you know his fears and how scared he was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that that how how scared his children were. Listen, if you're an anti-Semite on the left, David Schoen is of the same cloth as Jared Kushner and David Friedman and and, and the Orthodox community that defends <laughs> Trump that is right wing and one kid with a key from the Capitol Hill right, whatever it is, right? And if you're a right wing anti Semite. Right, you think, oh, Raskin's another liberal Jew like Chuck Schumer and Diane Feinstein, all going after poor Trump. That it's the that that it's the liberal Jews doing this. So we have we have people should be a little more grateful to us for continuing to supply evidence for their <laughs> bias and hatred by pro- providing high profile conservative Jews and high profile liberal Jews, so that each side can continue to demonize. Uh, George Soros, if you're on the right, and demonize Oliver Shalom Sheldon, Sheldon on the left. Because remember, what do we now have? I mean, this yeah. is bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of actually doing this, but you know who really has the energy to do it? Put out a poster which says something like Jews, the great unifiers. <laughs> and on the left, you have Ilhan Omar saying Jews have hypnotized the world to support Israel. And on the right, Margaret, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the right-wing congresswoman, uh, you know. Uh, Marjorie? Yeah, Marjorie. What's her name? Marjorie Taylor. Marjorie Green? Yeah, Marjorie Green. Marjorie Taylor Green. Uh, you know, her quote about, you know, the Rothschilds making lasers create forest fires. In other words, we have brought together, <laughs> we, the Jewish people. I think we, we, I think we, we need a new Super Bowl ad. I right, mean, we, no, could, we have unified. Yeah, we could, we could get Bruce Springsteen to do a, <laughs> to do a thing about the center of the country, the Jewish. Right. Like, we it, have it, unified the country. Yes, we have brought together Ilhan Omar and MTG by Marjorie Taylor Greene, the two most extreme congresswomen, one on the left, one on the right. We have brought them together. Yeah, I'm they sure they could find some city in Kansas called Zion, Kansas. Right. And then we could say, and here is the Jewish little uh, uh, B'nai B'rith outpost right. where, where the world comes together. No, Let me there's ask- no question. The Republicans have a point when they say you're punishing Marjorie Taylor. What about Ilhan Omar? What about Rashida Tlaib? Right? So they have a point, the Republicans. You didn't sanction them. For their, when she gets up and says it's all about the Benjamin baby about support for Israel, 
and, and and Nancy Pelosi pulls back. I have to say that is I have to say that for a, like a, like as a anti-Semitic um, shtuch, it's a brilliant one it's because all about the, you, Benjamin, the yeah. Benjamin. Because you always because you also <laughs> Benjamin. I didn't mean Benjamin. I didn't mean I, I meant the Benjamin Franklin that's on the money. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But who's supplying that? Well, the people who who created the name Benjamin. Let me yeah, ask. But, look, I wanted to skirt this. Listen, Ralph. I wanted to really skirt this whole thing uh, about. Um, about Trump, but I know that I, I got you going. Uh, I wanted to talk more about another issue that we talk about the downfall of Trump and um, and, and Trump defended himself till the end about his use of it, which is his use of social media. I mean, we again, it's already been uh, detailed and stormed about about how Trump's how they put limitations on his feed on his Twitter feed on his Facebook page whatever else that he has and how uh, um, the, the 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 media giants who are involved in social media uh, displays have uh, tried to you know censor and stuff like that but I think before all of the, the explosion we saw something that was in my again from where I'm coming from from my sixty uh, one year old perch. The man, everything is done with a Twitter feed. Everything is done by Twitter. Everything is done by his tweet. Um, and 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 we had for four years people being fired by tweets. Uh, people, uh, the New York Times and everyone studying all these ridiculous tweets and retweets and things like that you know again it's, it's a world i'm not that familiar with i know of course what twitter is i don't have an account but tell me again you are a uh, uh, you're pretty active on twitter why don't you talk a little well, bit I'll about tell you what i do on twitter i never i shouldn't say never maybe once or twice i did but 99.9 percent of the time i post things on twitter it means i'll i'll read the israeli newspapers outlets in the states and i'll post articles that I think uh, people should know about. But I don't comment on them. I don't respond to anybody who does comment on them. I don't do anything. All I, to me, it's a bulletin board. And I'll tell you the funny thing. Is, when I first started using Twitter, I said, oh my God, this is a great way to file stuff. I can read articles that I want to look at later. I'll post them on my Twitter feed and I'll go back and find them rather than printing them and leaving them in my drawers and taking up space in my life. So I use Twitter almost as a file system at the beginning. And I, so I, right now, when I see an article I think might be interesting, I, 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 I tweet it and I put it on Facebook, but I never do I ever look at anything. One second, one second. I do something similar, but what I do is I just send it to my email and then I make sure I have enough cloud space. Right. I, like, I, I, I don't like emails. I, I don't like I like it on my Twitter. But, but one second, but but once it's in Twitter, it represents Rabbi Ruven Joshua Pupko's approach to the world because that's like this is what I'm sending out. My private email is just something I can. I yeah, as a five- I, I, I happen to I I believe something about people, which is that ninety uh, percent of people are smart enough to know what's going on. I, I don't believe most people are stupid. I believe most people are intelligent. <laughs> I know there's a lot of evidence against my position, but I, I continue uh, to maintain my faith. And so if I if I tweet an article about uh, I don't know Nazi war criminal on trial in Germany, most people won't think that I'm in favor of the Nazi war criminal. Okay, <laughs> right? They'll know who I, 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 I saw this morning that they've got a hundred year old yeah, fellow year old guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean on that one, I was about to comment a little too little, a lot too late, but whatever. Um, but I didn't. I just put it up. In other words, even if I post articles that are that are, in other words, that defend 
the Obama deal in Iran, which I which I'm against. Let's say you know I put a, I do that to inform people. People should know what the other side is saying. People should know the arguments, right? So I will post things, understanding that if you look at my feed and you know anything about me, you know where I stand. Okay, so it's it, basically so I don't what, have a problem posting articles contrary to my opinion because I think people should know other things. Okay, so and the reason why you don't trust them to do it on your own because you think people, although you just said you think most people are smart, you think they're lazy or that they're going to rely on. Rabbi no, I know Pluto. I read a lot and I see stuff that not everybody sees. So I'm you're not... thinking there's people who are busy, who are who yeah. are wage slaves, who who have their nose to the grindstone, right. but they know Pupko, and therefore, hey, let's see what's going on, and this right. is their way to get the news. No, I know there are people who do that. They Rabbi, I don't look at any newspapers anymore. I look at your Twitter feed. You have everything. <laughs> I, I'm a very quick tweeter. I look at everything. I tweet it. And then I'm done. I see, and um, and you th- so it's so you believe this is actually an effective way for a leader like yourself to inform people okay. about okay. what's going on. No, okay, but like, here's my thing. Okay, there are a lot of rabbis who spend a lot of time making videos and putting them on Facebook. There's one guy whose name I won't mention unless you ask me to. Yeah, we'll uh, talk about it after we stop recording. When <laughs> that's when all the that's when all the good stuff gets I mean, spoken about. And I don't understand. I and I and I I know I'm wrong. I'm going to say something, but I know I'm wrong <laughs> because. But again, I continue to live in the universe of my own creation. I know I'm wrong. With what I'm going to say is that these rabbis they post these videos about all the the great things they've done, the stucker, the chesed, the, and. I know one thing that as soon as you put that video up, everything you did good in the world is completely worthless. Right? Because if you advertise what you do, you haven't done it. It is a race. Because that means the only reason you did it is to be able to is every moment of your life where you're acting and behaving, you're worried about your social media feed. And that's not normal. That's not a healthy way to live. People should look at the people in front of them in the eye and do for them. And sort of kept imagining how you're filming it and how you're posting it and what you're doing. That's that, that to me is is bizarre. It's corrosive, and uh, I don't think any of us 20 years ago imagined how ugly social media could be and how corrosive it could be. It turns everyone into a voyeur and everyone into an exhibitionist. It is bizarre. It is bizarre. Honestly, bizarre. I, I don't understand why anybody would ever post anything about themselves on social media. I don't understand it. Why would any why would anyone put anything up there ever about themselves, their children, their pets, their meals? I, I don't understand the instinct. I don't get it at all. It is so foreign to me. Completely foreign to me. I don't understand the instinct. The, I don't get it at all. I, I, it, it is so like, why? What gain is there? And, and to scroll through Instagram and other people's videos, why? Yeah, we, we, all, we, we all know that the, the, the very deleterious effect, how do you like that one? A very a, a terrible effect that it has because when people see what you're doing on Facebook or Instagram, it creates feelings of jealousy, of inadequacy. Yeah, no, it's horrible for teenagers, and, especially. Right. I would make, in other words, I am a free speech, free speech fanatic. And therefore, I, I don't like restrictions. However, I would make a couple of rules now that we know about the thing. First of all, I would say no one, no, no one under 18 is allowed anywhere near TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You have to be 18, right? You need 18, you need to be 18. Nobody under 18 should be on this stuff. And, and, that's, and that's because of, of child uh, yeah, predators. It hurts people. It hurts, it's hurtful. It, it leads to exploitation. It leads to depression, anxiety. Who needs it? 
next thing I would say is, unless you're a celebrity or a politician or given permission, you are never allowed to mention anyone else's name on Facebook or Twitter. You're just not allowed unless you have their permission. You're not permitted to post anybody else's picture on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram unless you get their permission. There's no such thing. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a fun story. <laughs> I was, I had this pet meeting, uh, you know, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. I think it was Yom Kippur that this story. So I'm outside. We're doing a meeting outside. Two Jewish ladies walk by and start filming. Right, You're doing the meeting on Yom Kippur, which obviously I was troubled by. So I also knew that no matter what I did, I would lose because I would be filmed being, you know, castigated or criticized. Right? Was, you can't win. Somebody else has a camera in their hands. You can never win. Right? No policeman has been filmed doing something good, right? Right, you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose, right? So I wait patiently and I'm a, I'm a patient man. <laughs> I, I can attest to that, yes. <laughs> I'm a patient, so I wait and I go over to the one I put, and I put their camera and I go, I go walk over and I go, I understand you're right and I'm wrong. I know I'm a dinosaur. I know I'm talking 1970 rules and you're the one who's right. You're both right. But all I would say is I would never in my life ever film another human being without asking them. You know, I didn't make it about Yom Tif, I didn't make it about Halacha or anything else. All I say is, which I don't understand, what gives someone the right to take my picture or film me and not just film me, post it? What kind of is that? One second. I agree with you, but, but I, I think maybe you're not even seeing what's around you. I noticed this when I went to see, um, I took my daughter, who I wanted to see a, a tzaddik to. When I took her to... Um, you, brought uh, to me. you brought her to see me. You know what? I couldn't get over the border at that time. <laughs> I, my passport was invalid. So I took her to a tzaddik in, uh, in New York, one of the Rebbes. And uh, this Rebbe, uh, well, first of all, when I brought my daughter in, um, you know, you know, the Rebbe was talking to her and speaking about things, about what she should do. Of course, she had her phone in her hand the whole time and she was looking at the phone, but it was okay. What was incredible was before I, we met the Rebbe, uh, I, I got this host to go into him because they told me the Rebbe was being Masada Kedushan for a couple. The couple was a, 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 a Ger and a Giyaris who had, the Rebbe had, just like Avram Avinu and Sora, uh, the Rebbe had been Megayer, the had learned and studied with the, with the groom. His wife had studied with the bride. They were both from South American countries, from the indigenous peoples, and they had become chassidim of this group. And now they were creating a, a wedding for both of them. And this and, and all the chassidim, the, and it was such an incredible moving moment. And I was just there because the gabai of the Rebbe promised me that I would get 10 minutes or so with the Rebbe in between the chuppah and the reception. But I was there at the chuppah. My family was in the car waiting. And I was so moved emotionally by what I saw. And I'm looking around and as the Rebbe is leading this couple that has gone on this incredible odyssey, and now we're starting a life of whether you of holiness together, coming from the world they had been, being accepted and loved in a new world. And I look around, 
and this was about 10, 12 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I see all these chesidusha chevra taking their phones out and, 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 and taking a movie of that moment. And, 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 and I know that what I've said can be said all the time, but we're all, I'm thinking this is the most incredible moment I've been in and, and one of after May of Esrim, I'm going to count that moment as one of the uplifting moments of my life. And I was trying to just experience it. And yet the most basic reaction of almost the whole Chesidah Shafrum Hever around me was, let's get this thing on video. I want to tell you something. I, I, I can't begin to tell you how much I agree with you. This idea that you're not in the moment, but you're filming it for later, right? Or you want to post it, or you want to send it to somebody. It 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 rips it drains the pathos of any moment of its value. You need to be present. So what I, I mean, I've been in this situation. You know, I, I once in a while have the schuss to be with I don't know one of my grandchildren doing something in a school production. Every parent is filming. I refuse to film it. Right? I yeah, I would love to have a film of it. And I get somebody. I walk over to somebody. Film. I said, "Do me a favor. Send me the one." Right? But I want to watch with my whole eyes. I want to be there. I don't want to be thinking about the framing of the shot or, you know, or who I'm looking at, who I'm not. I want to be there. And the, and the, and the, and the fact that at every important moment in life, there's something mediating between you and the experience. You have that iPhone in your face, right? I, I don't understand why people can't live in the moment and appreciate the moment. And, and yeah, you want a movie of it. So you hire a videographer. Right, as all these productions have anyway, or some of the other parents are going to be dumb enough to film it. And so, you go ahead and you take it, you take the movie. And, and look what it does to the children. I know from my own grandchildren, and again, I'm guilty of it as well. Let's get a movie of that. That's his first step. That's the first time he touched yes, and right. said doggy. But then let's look at that. And the kids want to look at it too. Yes. So, for sure. and, 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 and therefore, what happens is nobody is spontaneous, no one's there anymore. Because even when they know they're being filmed, they say, hey, can I see that? Let, yeah. let, let me see myself later. It is distorting. It is distorting in ways we never imagined. By the way, before they put cameras on a phone, when you were on a phone call, did you ever once say, oh, it's a shame I can't take a picture with this? I mean, I don't know where this idea came from. That everyone needs a camera all the time to record themselves. There's something deeply weird about it. Deeply weird. Right. I mean, so. You know, it used to be a camera. Wow, big deal. And then they made disposable cameras, right? Oh, we can throw it out. Great. Okay. Do we need a camera in our hands? Can't you live in the moment and appreciate the moment and rely on your memory? Okay. So I guess I'm coming back now. I mean, we all, uh, I, I can do the same spiel and still, I'm sure if somebody puts a, uh, a microscope or even less than a microscope on my life, they'll find incidents where I'm also running around trying to take a picture, whatever it is, or, or I want to get a picture of that. And, and, and I'm going to say the same thing to you in terms of, you know, you're, you're, you're feeding this giant by, you know, contributing to Twitter. You're, you're right. So we're all really guilty, despite the fact we're fulminating like a bunch of, uh, you know, Walter Matthaus and, and, and you know, and Jack Lemons, you know, like, like, <laughs> I don't know which one is which, but we're both I'm the group. I'm Gene Hackman. I'll be Roy Scheider then. All right, you can be Roy Scheider. From the, from the, <laughs> do you pick your toes in Poughkeepsie? That's the question. 
if anybody gets that, they're okay. They're okay. They're good. Yeah, they they can join me on a on a on a on a, on a, on a race underneath the. I love uh, the hat, the uh, hat, and the French connection. I love that. You're talking about Popeye Doyle's hat. Uh, I about, love that hat. The IRT. What can I tell you? I every time I go on this, every time I go on the subway, uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking there's maybe a car chasing me underneath. But anyway, the point is, I'll be your Roy Scheider. Okay. You can be you could be Gene Hackman. Um, but, but the point is we, we, you know, we're dying, you know, we're, we're talking about this, but in the same way, you know, it, it reminds me of, 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 you know, these, you know, the, the assault that was attempted, uh, you know, one of the Godolim who died last week, Rebizel Shiner, Pittsburgh boy. Did you, did you know that? Do you know that family at all in Pittsburgh, the Shiners? The story came that in the forties they were one of the from the few from Shimer- the twenties. It wasn't the forties. Oh, it was the twenties. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Right. So this was before your father got there or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. My father came to Pittsburgh in forty one. Yeah. Anyway, but Rav Shiner, who was uh, Zoha to uh, to uh, uh, a great great uh, Arichas Yomim. No, he ended up as a miracle story. He's a Bishol comes to the house, lets him to camp, and he becomes the Godel of Darts. It's an amazing story. And, and of course, what he did at the end of his life was so laudatory, uh, going to America and, 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 and being the American godel, so to speak, and telling people where he came from. But one of the things that he led a campaign was against uh, the Internet, against, uh, you know, to, to try to stave, uh, to stem the tide, um, to try to stop this. Uh, and, and we know that there was, uh, you know, the Hachrozas came out uh, about trying to stop uh, the, the cyber world from taking over, and, and we realized that this was uh, again. Although it's still perhaps, oh, but here's the thing: I don't. Think it, it didn't the, work. It, it oh, didn't work. The firm world's assault on the internet is is to me not is misses the mark. In other words, they're all concerned about pornography, right? In other words, they're all so worried. You know, when they were kids, you had to be much nephish to see pornography. You had to sneak into the newsstand and hide. Put things away. Now a kid just goes like this and has a cell phone, right? That the mysterious nephew to acquire pornography has has evaporated. It's now too easy. All right, that's the problem. Okay, yeah, no one should look at porn. But they, not, I, can, can I just say a double life? It's about right, right. No, it's no, about. No. So it really. So it, it, it has ruined people's lives. There's no question. It ruins marriages. I understand that, but I think they don't understand what we've been talking about, which is. Even if you, even if you never look at anything like that on, on, on you know on the internet, the the medium is the message. To use the oldest cliche of the book, it's transformative. Just like the printing press changed Europe, right? With Gutenberg, the cell phone, the, the smartphone has changed everything, and that changes how people talk to each other. I mean, the idea that people think people on Facebook are their friends—that's friendship. People you've never met. That really has that. That's really a combination, I think, of an or of the advancement of our uh, of our devices, our scientific and technical knowledge, plus a little bit of this Orwellian language stuff, right? In other words, the same way love is hate. If you remember from 1984, right? And and uh, calling friends people that are part of your group. Look. I ask Alexa every single morning what the wind chill factor is here. And she says, have a nice day of Ramel, because she can't say of Ramel. Have a nice day of Ramel. And I'm thinking, should I say thank you? 
I mean, I mean, should I say thank you back? I don't know. I it, it make it, I feel guilty. She has such a nice voice. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking right. So, so we are in that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I find Alexa very passive aggressive. I don't. I, I don't have one of those things. I never use those. Things. I don't. I don't even know how to use. Maybe I do know how, but I never use Siri or anything. I started using the voice recognition in my car. I, I mean, when I say start, like once every couple of weeks, I'll say call so and so. You know, and it works, which I'm always amazed at. You know, and also I've done this a couple of times. I started my 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 Apple Play car, whatever it's called, in, in my car. So I get a WhatsApp. I can respond orally. You know, I can say it's uh, look. I make you know when we I was driving around. I would say m most important conversations now are happening due to Bluetooth technology with people driving, because that's in this incredibly yeah. rushed world when people have time, because instead yeah. of, you know, you know, you have that time to make that call. And I reached the Rosh Hashiva yesterday, who we're going to be having a, 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 the Hespit for Abdavid Salvechik. I reached him because he was, uh, he had his downtime. I reached him originally in his car when he was going to a Hassan Lakewood, and I was able to respond back when I was driving back from some errand I had to do yesterday. And it had not been for those down moments. Right. No, I agree. No, in terms of the ease of communication, it's remarkable. In other words, the fact that if I'm driving back from the Levaya and I have, I'm going to be stuck in the car for 30 minutes and I can return all my phone calls before I get back to Phil, it's fantastic. No, that's fantastic. I mean, you remember the days when you got locked, you had to find a gas station and a payphone. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, you you can you know the, you, nobody needs I nobody has a map anymore. Nobody has to wonder. I mean, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. The, 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 some of the also, I'll tell you the greatest thing. I'll tell you the great to me the greatest thing is here's the thing. You're sitting at home, you're starving to death, and you want food. But you're lazy and you're fat and you don't want to get in the car and drive anymore. And the old days, ah, so I call a kosher restaurant and get delivery. We know what happens when you call a kosher restaurant. They put you on hold three times, they get the order wrong, and you have no idea when it's actually going to come. The fact that you could pick up your phone and push a button on Uber Eats and get kosher food delivered to your house, and you know exactly when it's going to come, and you don't have to actually talk to anybody who works in a kosher restaurant who are some of the worst human beings in the, walking the face of this earth. And you get the food, and it comes exactly what you ordered, and exactly the time where the little image on the, on the phone is. It's a miracle. That, to me, is the greatest miracle of the smartphone, is that you get kosher food <laughs> delivered to your door, and you don't have to talk to anybody. It's, and there's no ambiguity, and there's no doubt. You know exactly what you're getting, and when you're getting it, it is, to me, the greatest thing of all time. More important than, you know, I would say than most medical cures. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I again, I, I think our conversation really underscores the difficulty of, 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 of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Oh yeah, I Uber Eats I, is the most important thing. Yeah, but I would uh, keep Uber Eats. Get rid of the camera. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> keep on out there again. We're, 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 we'll look now that I realize how active your Twitter feed is. I will definitely uh, encourage all our listeners to check it out, but don't necessarily say that it's reflective of your personal opinion. It's rather your way uh, to act as the guiding teacher, as the emeritus Rex of <laughs> planet Earth. <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hopefully we'll see if Trump gets through this and hopefully we can get through it. Be well. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 